So good afternoon, everyone. Hope you are doing well, the Lord. Uh, as you know, that uh, COVID-19 cases were reported this morning over 250, and yesterday it was about uh, 160. And because of that, uh, since many cases, you know, outbreaks happened in the church, uh, many people expressed their anger and hatred toward Christians and churches. But I'd like, to, I'd like for you to know, because there's something interesting going on, because um, many of these cases that coronavirus uh, cases happen in the church, those churches are uh, false churches, and some of them heresies. Um, I mean, it did happen in the Orthodox, Orthodox churches as well, but the number of cases were very limited. You know, as you remember, the biggest one, biggest outbreak, you know, took place at Shincheonji churches, right? And then... The ones that are going on right now, the largest one is probably in Yongin, where, where I live. And the church has a female pastor claiming herself to be a prophetess and healer. And they literally did not wear masks. You know, choir did not wear masks. So that started outbreak of COVID-19. And then some pastor uh, in Seoul, uh, another, you know, second largest outbreak these days, the pastor told the congregation, you know, here no one will get coronavirus because of his power. So, uh, I mean, people don't, don't know, the, they don't see the difference between, you know, real, I mean, true churches and false churches. Uh, for instance, you know, the president, you know, who is doing all kinds of, you know, uh, scandalous, you know, behaviors, uh, you know, the president of a Korean Christian, you know, coalition, that organization has none of the Orthodox churches. You know, liberal churches, you know, some interesting churches. But, uh, for instance, our denominations uh, do not belong to the organization. So uh, just be aware, you know, it's something to be noted, noted, interesting things, phenomenon. Uh, but interestingly, yeah, like I said, you know, uh, many of those cases happened uh, in the false churches. Yeah. Well, having said that, uh, we are in our journey in the book of John. As you know, uh, we're in uh, chapter 19. Uh, if you have your bulletins, turn to page 5 or your Bible. You can use your Bibles. Uh, turn to John chapter 19, uh, verses starting from 28. So if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's words. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on, the, on a hyssop, hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Since it was the day of preparation, and so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. The Jews asked Pilate that the legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus they, and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water. He who saw it had borne witness. His testimony is true, and he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. 
For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, They will look on him whom they have pierced. Thus ends the reading of God's words. You may be seated. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, uh, once again, we are so thankful to be here. Uh, we're so thankful uh, to have this opportunity to uh, acknowledge uh, the one true God and to worship Him in spirit and in truth. Thank you for this opportunity. We can speak the truth to one another. And in the world, uh, it's so difficult, hard to have, a, have an opportunity or chances to speak the truth to other people, but here we can. Lord, I want to pray that you will use me so that uh, what I speak uh, from the Word may not be a, a, a talk from a mere man, but from uh, the treasure from heaven to bless your people, to glorify your name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we have been looking at the climax of Jesus' life and death uh, for the last couple of months. Uh, you may be tired of hearing these names like Pilate. You know? We've been hearing his name for more than several weeks you know, high priest, and those things. Uh, anyways, today we have reached uh, the end of his life. As a perfectly righteous person, Jesus dies for sinners. Now, everything happened in Jesus' life, as you have noticed, that was according to the prophecies in the Old Testament, right? So there was someone who studied, you know, scholar, uh, unbelieving scholar, just purposely uh, studied the scripture to prove that the Bible and Christianity is wrong. And he ended up becoming a believer because as you study the scripture, it's so coherent, systematic, and beautiful. So Old Testament is mainly about the prophecies concerning the Messiah. And the New Testament is basically about the, their fulfillment in and by Christ Jesus. You cannot, you cannot deny that. So we can say in the Old Testament, the New Testament is concealed. And in the, Old, in the New Testament, the Old Testament is revealed. So let us get, look at the text verse by verse today. So in verse 28, after this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished. Now after this, he refers to the action Jesus did a short while ago. If you can recall uh, the text from last Sunday, remember he asked his beloved disciple John, presumably to take care of his mother, Mary, right? He said to his mother, woman, behold your son, meaning John the, Bapt uh, uh, John the disciple. And uh, he also uh, said to the disciple whom he loved, behold your mother, meaning that I'm leaving, you know, please take care of my, uh, my mother when I'm gone. Uh, how many brothers did he have? Do you know how many brothers Jesus had? Four, right? Including Judas. And how many sisters? At least two, right? At least two. Read the Gospels, you can find. I don't think any of them were wealthy enough to take care of uh, his or her mother. So Jesus asked John the, Baptist, uh, John the disciple to take care of his mother. But anyways, knowing that all was now finished, all was now finished, all here replies to in the work all the work God the Father had entrusted to him, to Jesus, his son, for the sake of the elect. 
In theological terms, it is referred as the covenant of re uh, redemption. Now, what is the covenant of redemption? Here is a quote from uh, the Ligonier Ministry, uh, founded by R.C. Sproul. You, you know him, right? One of the most respected uh, teacher and preacher of the gospel and of the Reformed theology uh, for a long time. And here is a quote on the covenant of redemption. The covenant of redemption is the agreement made between the members of the Trinity in order to bring us salvation. Under this covenant, the Father plans redemption and sends the Son in order to save his people. So, so the Father planned the, uh, had a plan for saving the elect, and the Son came to accomplish that plan. And the Son agrees to be sent and to do the work necessary, necessary to save the elect. And the Spirit agrees to apply the work of Christ to us by sealing us unto salvation. The covenant of redemption is one of the greatest examples of God's grace that we have. Remember that the grace of God was working on our behalf long before we were born, even before the foundation of the world. So there was an agreement among the Trinity, especially between God the Father and His Son, to do the work that was necessary for saving the elect. Like I said, the Father planned and the Son fulfilled it through obedience. Now let us continue. Jesus, knowing that all, that knowing that all was now finished, said to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. Now what does it mean by to fulfill the scripture? Now Jesus, you know, must have been very thirsty, you know. He didn't have water, probably, and food overnight, and he was hanging on the cross for hours. Uh, so he must have been really thirsty, but he did not have to express it. He did not have to say, I thirst. The reason why he said, I thirst, was to fulfill the scripture. Because when he said, I thirst, it, uh, it aroused some action from those who were around him, probably the soldiers, Roman soldiers. So they gave sour wine to Jesus to quench his thirst. That's what's going on in verse 29. A, a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Now again, this was to fulfill the scripture from Psalm 69. In Psalm 69, verse 21, it reads, They gave me poison for food, and for my thirst, they gave me sour wine to drink. Now, sour wine, you know, imagine, you know, the three, uh, Jesus was not a criminal, but he was regarded as such. Three criminals were hanging, you know, dying on the trees, on the cross, uh, on the hill called a skull, you know, Golgotha, Calvary. And there, there was a you know, big jar and full of sour wine. Do you think it was expensive wine? <laughs> a very, 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 very cheap beverage. Sour wine was usually used uh, for, by soldiers to quench their thirst in the field. Now, here's something that should require our attention. Now, since Jesus was hanging on the cross, they used a hyssop tree uh, plant to deliver the sour wine to him because he was elevated above others because he was hanging on the tree, uh, on the, on the cross. Now, hyssop is a plant 
And it was used also for another special occasion in the Bible, in the Old Testament. What was it? During the Passover. Original Passover. Hyssop was used for the sprinkling of blood. Just, just, you know, we read this just before, if you can remember, you know. Donald read this, right? <laughs> so, uh, sprinkling of blood on the doorpost at the original Passover. I'm sorry. You read Ezekiel's. I'm quoting from Exodus. That's why you look puzzled. Yeah. Exodus chapter 12, verse 22. Uh, this is the Passover story, history. Uh, take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch it, touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. Now, I think there's a connection, at least loosely, between these two events, the cross and the Passover. In Exodus, at the original Passover, Hyssop touched the blood of the Passover lamb. Here at the cross, it was Hyssop that reached the lamb of God who was bleeding. So I see some connection. As soon as the sour wine touched the mouth of Jesus, he cried out, It is finished. Meaning that all the work, as I said before, the Father has sent him to accomplish was now completed. Now let's move down to verse 30. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. And he bowed his head, his head and gave up his spirit. Now notice here, the fact that Jesus gave up his spirit emphasizes the voluntary nature of his death. In other words, he, he wasn't killed. He died. I mean, he was killed according to God's plan, but he died. He died voluntarily to obey the will of the Father and to save the elect. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> yeah, thank you. Just like every other human being, when Jesus died, his spirit departed from his body. Now, this is exactly what is going to happen to every single human being at his or her death. Whether he's a believer or not, the spirit of the person will leave the body. There will be separation between the spirit and the body at death. So, since it was Friday afternoon, the day before the Saturday Sabbath, when Jesus died on the cross... He says in verse 31, since it was the day of preparation. Now, it was the day of preparation for the Sabbath. Thank you. And the upcoming Sabbath was, was the most special one. Uh, this is why it says, you know, in verse 31, uh, since it was the day of preparation, so, the, so that the bodies would not remain on the cross on the Sabbath, for that Sabbath was a high day. Why that Sabbath was a high day? Because it was the Sabbath, out of 50-some Sabbath throughout the year, it was a Sabbath, Sabbath that fell uh, during the Passover. That made it very special. The Jews asked Pilate that their legs might be broken than that they might be taken away. Now, the Jews apparently prepared themselves for the Sabbath the day before. You know, probably, you know, uh, on Fridays, they, you know, prepared themselves, you know, both physically and spiritually, you know, 
um, uh, remaining clean and preparing food, whatever. Uh, but we need to prepare ourselves as well for the Lord's Day. You know, how you spend your Saturdays uh, is, a, is a telling sign that how you regard the Sabbath, the, I mean, the Lord's Day. Late night movies or parties, you know, people do that, you know. Uh, do you, do you, have you heard the word, a uh, Korean term, brugum? You know, Britannan Kumyoil, Friday, you know, or fiery Friday. I don't know. <laughs> but they want to do all kinds of crazy, crazy things on Fridays and Saturdays, but we're not supposed to because we, we need to prepare ourselves for, for uh, the Lord's Day. Yeah, just like, you know, we even prepare ourselves, you know, physically uh, for before we're going to work on Mondays. You know, you don't uh, stay up late at night on, on Sunday evening because you know, you know that you're going to work on Monday. Uh, same principle or higher principle should be applied to us uh, believers uh, the way we spend our Saturday evenings especially. Now, according to the law, uh, the reason why uh, they asked uh, Pilate, that their legs might be broken and that they might be taken away. So they did not want to see the bodies hanging overnight on the tree and remaining even throughout you know, the Sabbath day was because the dead bodies, according to their law, was not supposed to remain on the tree. Uh, if you look at Deuteronomy 21, uh, verse 22, And if a man has committed a crime punishable by death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree. His body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day, for hanged man is, a, is cursed by God. Now, there's a little difference. You know, it doesn't mean that in the Old Testament you know, they crucified people. They hanged dead bodies on the tree. But Romans' way of killing people is such a cruelty by you know, hanging a Alive, people alive on a tree. There's a difference. Now, breaking the legs, why did, ask, did they ask, the, ask Pilate to break their legs? It's because breaking the legs would facilitate a quick death by preventing a person hanging on a tree from prolonging his life by pushing, him, pushing himself up with his legs to be able to breathe. You know, uh, those criminals uh, on the tree, uh, on the cross, they died, you know, by being choked, uh, not by being, not by, you know, bleeding or uh, anything else, but by being choked, because you have to, you know, uh, make sure that you can breathe by pushing yourself, you know, themselves up like that. So, but once their legs are broken, they no longer can do that. Now, uh, again, uh, this. Uh, so the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and of the other who had been crucified with him. But when they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. You know this story. Again, this is another uh, scriptural proof that Jesus was the promised Messiah because it was also prophesied in the Old Testament. Psalm 34. He keeps all his bones and not one of them is broken. According to the promise, uh, Prophecies in the Old Testament. Now, the purpose of all the detailed descriptions about the event of the cross and the showing of the connection between the Old Testament prophecies and the New Testament fulfillments is very clear. John says very clearly in verse 35, He who saw it, talking about himself, has borne witness. His testimony is true. Nobody went against him. Nobody called him a liar. 
you know, everybody, uh, you know, accepted his testimony, uh, and he knows that he's telling the truth that you, that you also may believe. The reason why uh, the gospel writers, including John, took pains to uh, record all the details is for the careful readers to believe. We might believe. What does it mean to believe? As you know, there were more than 500 eyewitnesses of the resurrected Christ. Paul talks about that. And not even one of them, as far as we know, not even one of them denied what they had seen and witnessed because it truly happened. And, and many of them even gave their lives for their belief, for, 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 their, for their witnesses, because it truly happened. If you and I truly believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, and he also rose from the dead, it ought to affect the way we think and live. For instance, our belief in Jesus ought to give us godly confidence that we can win the world. In Christ Jesus and by his gospel, we have, been, we have a very clear and bright future. You know, when, you know, even uh, non-believers, they, if they know for sure that they have a bright future, they're happy, you know, they're satisfied, they're, you know, they're just uh, energetic because, they, you know, I have a bright future, I have a you know, big, you know, rich dad, you know, I have a bright future, you know, wh what am I supposed to worry about, you know, they have, they express such confidence. Well, you and I have brightest future we can ever imagine. That should give us confidence to win the world. I mean, we have gloomy days, you know, because we're just fallen human being, but we should be able to overcome that because we have such bright future. No matter what's going on in this world, our future is already set in and by him. And anyways, even though the soldiers did not break Jesus' legs, one of them pierced his side with a spear in verse 34, and at once there came out blood and water. Now he was pierced for our transgressions. Which means, fundamentally speaking, it was not one of the Roman soldiers that pierced him. It was our sin and iniquities that pierced him. He was pierced for our transgressions. It was our sin that drove him to the cross. When his side was pierced, there came out blood and water. Now, if you have noticed uh, the sermon title for today, uh, Blood and Water uh, Came Out. Now, what in the world am I trying to say? Now, my question, first question is this. What do blood and water symbolize? I mean, you can just, you, can just, you know, just, uh, you don't have to pay special attention. Just read, you know, just go through this uh, verse. But, you know, there must be some meaning to this, you know, uh, description. I mean, this it really happened, but why in the world uh, John recorded that, that blood and water came out of his dead body? Now, concerning the implication of water first, uh, one of the study Bibles uh, I favor a lot. I mean, I recommend you to have, if you don't have it already, an uh, ESV study Bible. You know, thick one, you know, worth investing, you know, uh, $100, you know. Uh, but 
in the footnote it says, water probably, probably refers to Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. I love ESV study Bible, but I'm not really convinced by this interpretation. So, uh, I mean, we need to prayerfully search the meaning and implication of, of, of the blood and water that came out, came out of Jesus' body. Now, one of the basic principles when it comes to interpreting or unlocking the meaning of the scripture that are hard to understand is this. Let scripture interpret scripture. In other words, you go to scriptures, different uh, parts in the Bible that are relevant uh, to the one that you want to understand. So regarding the meaning and, imp and the implication of the blood and water that are mentioned in verse 34, we'd like to visit several different places in the Bible uh, where both blood and water are mentioned, or at least one of them is mentioned. That's what we're going to do. It, it seems like not preaching, but uh, some sort of teaching, uh, teaching mode now. Now, the first place we'd like to visit is 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5, uh, verse 6. I mean, you, if you want to turn to, uh, to 1 John, that's fine. You're welcome to do so. If you don't have your Bibles, just listen carefully. 1 John chapter 5, verse 6. This is he who came by water and blood. Again, water and blood. Blood and water. Jesus Christ. Not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies because the Spirit is the truth. Now, I believe that there are uh, two interpretations are possible that are plausible. First, in light of the context of in, uh, in the book of John, water uh, together with blood is an, is an evidence of Jesus' humanity. Jesus was truly man, truly God. Jesus had humanity and divinity inseparably uh, existing in him. Why is this important? If Jesus were not a true human, he could not be a, 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 a substitute for us. If he were not a truly God, he could not be a perfect sacrifice because all human beings are sinful and fallen. It cannot be offered to God as a perfect sacrifice. That's why he had to be both God and man. And the biggest heresies in the early, early centuries were primarily regarding the person of Jesus. There were many heretical teachings that denied either the humanity of Christ or his divinity. For instance, Gnosticism, Arianism, or Docetism. Those were very famous heresies. Denying, Arianism, for instance, denied Jesus' divinity. I mean, we're not going to go into the details because it's going to take hours. Um, Docetism denied his humanity. For instance, Docetism argued that uh, Christ's body was not human, but uh, either a phantasm or of real but celestial substance and that therefore his sufferings were, were only apparent. The word, the Greek word dokain, which was the root word for docetism, means to seem. He seemed to be suffering. 
He seemed to be dying, but not really, because he was not a human. However, the fact that Jesus came by water and blood, and they came out of and the water and blood and water came out of his his body when he died on the cross was the proof of his humanity. When one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, blood and water came out because Jesus had a normal human body. And medically speaking, when his, when his side was pierced, probably a, a watery fluid surrounding the heart and lungs came out. Now the second plausible interpretation can be found in the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, if you can recall from John chapter 3. You remember Nicodemus, uh, the, the, you know, the teacher, uh, Pharisee, renowned, you know, uh, uh, Pharisee, he came to Jesus by night to ask, uh, he, he just came to just to, to flatter Jesus by saying, you're a you know, great teacher, but Jesus already knew what was in his heart. He came to desperately to seek the way to heaven. He was regarded as the teacher standing in the front, uh, front line of, of, of those going to heaven because he was teaching the way to heaven to others, but he did not know about that way himself. He wasn't convinced of the teaching that he was doing. So he came to Jesus to ask that question. Jesus already knew his heart, so Jesus went to the uh, main topic straightly. You cannot go to heaven unless you're born again. No matter what you do, no matter how hard you try, you cannot go to heaven unless you're born again. And then he, you know, being smart, yet stupid, fully uh, spiritually, he asked, how can a man be born when he's old, like I'm old? You know, he, not me, Nicodemus, okay. Can, a, can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, of the spirit and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now notice here, Jesus says, unless one is born of water and the Spirit. Now for the meaning of water that is mentioned here, particularly here in John chapter 3, together with the Spirit, we need to visit the book of Ezekiel in the Old Testament. This is the one, this is the portion our elder Donald read just now, a while ago. Now Ezekiel, Ezekiel chapter 36, if you can turn with me to Ezekiel chapter 36. Let's go to verse 25. See how uh, it, it is compatible with uh, uh, Jesus saying to Nicodemus in John chapter 3. Jesus says, uh, unless, uh, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of spirit, and Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 25, I will sprinkle clean water, Water is mentioned here on you, and you shall be clean from all your uncleannesses. And from all your idols, I will cleanse you with water. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within them. Now, a new heart and a new spirit are implanted in the people of God when the Holy Spirit indwells them. So, New heart and new spirit implies that the, the work of the Holy Spirit uh, in the believers, it is presupposed the presence of the Holy Spirit. So I argue that when Jesus mentioned water and the spirit, the same water and the spirit are mentioned, are prophesied by Ezekiel in this passage. Because the new heart and the new spirit implies the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
And the meaning or the function of water is very clear. To cleanse God's people from all their uncleannesses. In a nutshell, it is by water that believers are purified and cleansed from their sins. So water here symbolizes, I want to argue, that water came out of Christ. The blood of Jesus was for the atonement of God's elect. And water from his body signified his purifying grace of which he is the fountain sanctifying and cleansing those who believe in him, including us, from all filthinesses of filthiness of flesh and spirit. Personally, I believe, you don't have to agree with me, but I, I believe that blood and water symbolize atoning death and purifying grace. By his blood and water, we have been forgiven and made perfectly righteous forever, both spirit and body, positionally. I mean, do you sometimes feel that you don't deserve to go to the throne of God or, or you know, have you know, open communication with him? I, I feel like that too, you know. Especially when I've done, when I have done something wrong, you know, it just, it just keeps me, holds me back from going to God. But, you know, we need to rely on Christ. We can always go to God, God the Father, because through His blood and water, we have been forgiven and cleansed and been made Perfectly righteous and clean. One of the reasons why I'm convinced of this interpretation, I, I don't think I have uh, looked at, uh, I mean, this is not that I invented because you know, no one invents truth, uh, but uh, not many scholars would, would, would say things, things like this, uh, but one of the reasons I believe uh, that uh, this interpretation makes sense is because, remember Jesus compared himself to a woman uh, who was about to give birth, giving birth, uh, in his teaching to the disciples, in, uh, you know, last teaching to the disciples in John chapter 16. Just Let's just turn there one more time. Uh, this will be the last quote from the Bible, 16 verse 21. When a woman is giving birth, Jesus speaking, uh, this was, you know, he, 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 he told many things to the disciples uh, uh, to describe the impending, the upcoming uh, you know, cross in his death. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. Now, Jesus expressing his heart to the disciples by comparing himself to a woman uh, who was giving birth. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the, the anguish for joy that a that a human being has been born into the world. Now, of course, Jesus came as, as, as a man, not as a woman. However, what happened to him on the cross could be compared to a woman giving birth. The pain, right? And the joy, right? And in between, birth, birth, 
And just like, just as blood and water come out of a woman who is giving birth, blood and water came out of Jesus' body when he went through the birth pain. Through the cross, we have been born again. Through his blood and water, we have been born again. Well, this is the gospel. This is the good news. There was nothing we could have done because we did not even exist. Think about how, how you were born. Babies, when you were babies, newborn babies. Was it, did you do any, make any efforts? I mean, any, any choice? If I did, I would still be a Korean. <laughs> Well, you know, you didn't, you didn't say, I want to be born on Christmas Day so everybody can celebrate my birthday. You didn't say that, right? You had no part. You had no plan. You had no, I mean, you didn't even exist. You didn't even exist. You were just born. You were just made. There's completely apart from your will or your efforts. In the same way, God has done everything. I don't know how you can explain this. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. This is why we are here even today. He chose you even before the foundation of the world because He knew you. And Jesus remembered all the believers, including you, when he was dying, going through birth pain on the cross because he was giving birth spiritually to God's children. We have become someone we could never be because he became someone he did not have to be. This is the gospel, and this is why we are here. This is why, you know, I am tired on Sundays, but I am so thrilled on Sundays. So, don't be deceived by my looks, you know. Sometimes I look very tired, you know, third uh, services. I'm, but I am so excited to proclaim the gospel, to be able to speak the truth with you, you know. Because this is why we exist. This is why come, we come every Sunday to, to proclaim the truth and to thank God and glorify Him. Amen? Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that only through Jesus Christ, His atoning death and purifying grace and your election and the application of and illumination of the Holy Spirit have we become your children born again. Lord, how can we express our thanks to you? Lord, receive our praise and glorify yourself. And I personally am so thankful to have all these brothers and sisters to just, just this truth makes sense to us when we speak this truth to one another. Uh, we are so thankful to be able to share this truth in this church. Uh, let the gospel continue to uh, 
uh, go and be preached and proclaimed throughout the world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.